Looking for inspiring destinations, incredible places to stay, and the most exciting bucket list experiences to travel to next? Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy. French Quarter, Mardi Gras, Steamboats, and Jazz. This is the Big Easy. Anthony Bourdain once said, There's no place on earth even remotely like New Orleans. And we have to agree. New Orleans has its own unique cuisine, energy, hospitality, and culture unlike anywhere else on earth. There seems to be a buzz in the air. Haunts where Spanish and French history have clashed. Plantations and swamps. The soul of a trumpet. And of course, festivities on Bourbon Street. Join us as we explore the intoxicating lore in today's episode of Destination Everywhere, New Orleans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another great episode of Destination Everywhere. I'm Andy McNeil, along with Todd Bloodworth, and we are talking the Big Easy today. So excited. Probably the second most visited city by Todd and I in our business over the years, We've done so much there from sales meetings to incentive trips to events galore with the Super Bowl. It's just been, I think, one right after another through the year. And we love it. The food's amazing and there's so much to do. They talk about the Big Easy, but a lot of people don't know why they call it the Big Easy. One popular theory is that in the 1960s, gossip columnist Betty Juliad compared living in New York City, known as the Big Apple, to living in New Orleans. And New Yorkers were always running around saying that they're working hard and have a hard life, but life in New Orleans was easy. So there's some great trivia for you. Todd? No, you know what? The thing I love about New Orleans, there's like, there's the New Orleans I remember in my like late teens, early twenties. And then, you know, there's the New Orleans of your late twenties, early thirties. And now as a business professional, there's the New Orleans as someone now in my late forties. It's been timeless, you know, and the city doesn't get any less boring with every trip. It's just that you feel like, okay, I did this in my twenties. Now let's go check this part out. Something I never would have done previously between like the types of restaurants I would have gone to, to the types of restaurants I want to go to now, you know, I've definitely turned into much more of a foodie and and New Orleans always has something new. I think one, one thing I would recommend to our listeners is really get out and see the extended neighborhoods of the city. Don't stay just in the touristy area. There are so many things to do and the ways to get around from streetcars to taxis to the to horse carriages. There's lots of different ways to see the city. Yeah. If you're only thinking about Bourbon Street, you're really, really doing the city a disservice. You know, it that's a big part of it, obviously. But the city has so much more to offer. So definitely get out and check it out. So let's get to work. We're going to be right back with our first guest. So stay tuned.
Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere, New Orleans. We are here with our next guest, and I'm really excited to speak to him about New Orleans. He is a local, born and raised. He is a New Orleans jazz trumpeter. I've actually watched a couple of his YouTubes. There's one called Jammin' in the Band that's great. He's appeared on Bravo's Top Chef. He's included in the soundtrack to Disney's Jungle Book. He's played with John Baptiste with Stephen Colbert. You really have done everything. So welcome, Kermit Ruffins. Oh, thanks for having me. Welcome, Kermit. Is it uh, true that you actually played yourself on HBO? That's right. In a um, movie, in a um, series, Treme. And Treme is an area apart. Tell us a little bit about Treme. A Treme, a guy named Claude Treme. Started selling his land to um, black people after slavery. And it's a small neighborhood. It's one of the oldest black neighborhoods in America. Right in the heart of it is Congo Square, where the slaves used to go on Sundays to celebrate life. And jazz just kind of was created right around this area. So, Kermit, you come from a, a line of musicians. I, I understand you were you know, really influenced by Louis Armstrong and Louis Jordan. And it sounds like your daughter is into music. How did you get the bug for music? Is it something that you were born and raised in, or is it something that you picked up along the way? Well, in high school, my dad, Lloyd Ruffins, and my uncle, Percy Williams, my mom's younger brother, they both played trumpet. I never really saw my dad play, but my uncle Percy would come over on Saturdays when I was about five, six, seven years old and just let us buzz on his trumpet. And the look of that trumpet man, when he opened that horn case, the smell of the brass and the look of it, you talking about somebody totally excited. And he plays with Irma Thomas, my uncle Percy Williams, trumpet player. So he really influenced me and my little brother to play trumpet. And one day we got home from school and there were two trumpets laying on the sofa. Well, let's talk a little bit about the history of jazz music. You talked about the Treme area, and that's where kind of jazz started. But let's talk a little bit about New Orleans itself. Give everybody just kind of a broad overview of how jazz developed from your perspective in New Orleans. The birthplace of jazz, New Orleans, I realized that it's the only true American art form, jazz. And for me to be born in a lower ninth ward, and then leaving the Lower Ninth Ward right at about 17 years old, going to Clark Senior High School in the Treme neighborhood, where I met Phil Frazier, and we formed the Brass Band, the Rebirth Brass Band. And as we were doing that, we were listening to, you know, Louis Armstrong, I mean, Dirty Dancing, Olympia Brass Band, and not to even mention all of the bands that were playing down Bourbon Street at that time. Al Hurt, just to name a couple of people. I mean, when I tell you, when we started playing for tips on Bourbon Street, and I would peep in those doors and watch those trumpet players with their suit and tie on playing, I wanted to do that more than I wanted to do the brass band. So I did the brass band for about 12 years with the Rebirth, and then I decided I wanted to be like Louis Armstrong. <laughs> so I formed my own band and started playing for tips in the quarters again after traveling the world with the Rebirth. New Orleans is just made for um, jazz musicians. It's here, and it's not going anywhere, and there's so many young kids right now playing music, you wouldn't even believe it. So this music is going to be here forever, and the kids that's coming up now, all geniuses. I mean, they're playing piano, they write music, they can stand on stage and next to me and put me to shame at any given time, and I just <laughs> love it, and love it with a passion. 
you hit it on the head right there, Kermit, with a lot of other industries in entertainment specifically and different genres of music. There seems to be this competition where I have to be the best. But with jazz and you go anywhere in New Orleans, everybody's talking everybody else up. You know, they play, but then they're talking about the other guy who's playing awesomely. And it's a community that it's kind of self-lifting. Do you see a competition in jazz or does everybody just do their own thing and you all look out for each other? And we definitely look out for each other. But when we get on a bandstand and another trumpet player walk in, it's vicious challenges going on with a lot of love and laughter in between the notes or in between the songs or whatever. I mean, we are so glad to see each other because we are all working at the same time. So any given time when we're playing a festival, whether it be in Europe or whether it be here in New Orleans, and we get into a dressing room and we have three hours to kill, the conversation is hilarious and loving as, as it can be like brothers and sisters been living together forever. I mean, my band is the only band I know, but I'm quite sure it's not true. I think my band is the only band that never had a fuss. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, right? Yeah, knock it on wood. <laughs> Yeah. We love each other's company and we can't wait to hit the band sale. So Kermit, as a local and having all these people in the jazz business with you, where do you go to listen to really, really good jazz? That's a good question. Um, most of the time, I'll wind up in Jackson Square to listen to the youngsters, the young brass bands that are just coming up. When the weather is real good, there's, there's restaurants that's real close where you can sit on the balcony and look down at the kids and have a beer and just reminisce on how we used to be out there every day of the week and where those kids are about to go. Because I noticed that all the big festivals, they get all the young kids when they first come out to play at all the festivals abroad, and they get all the old cats to play. So I haven't been going to Europe in a while. I think they wait until I reach about 70. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that sounds like just such a great afternoon. It's just going out and listening to some music and it's free. They just go out and get your fill. It's amazing that, that we live in this beautiful city where every day of the week you can hear maybe up to 100 bands if you within a five-minute radius from each other. Oh, that's incredible. Now, tell us a little bit. I mean, obviously, New Orleans is known for, for Jazz Fest. And I've been a couple of times. And surprisingly, you got to go into the right tent to hear the, the, the good jazz. I mean, so much of it now is pop music and pop culture. But there's some great tents that have gospel Jazz. Do you have any good experiences with Jazz Fest that you can share with us? Yeah, man. I mean, every year, it's just incredible. And the times that I have off when I do go, I'm always into Economy Hall. Economy Hall. (laughs) Which they call the old folks home. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of seats in there? (laughs) Yeah, all the old cats in there, boy. They come clean, clean, and they walk on the stage real slow and just tear the stage up and everybody's dancing their butts off. And then I like to go to the jazz tip, yep. which is um, one of my favorites, of course. I mean, I used to go see Ellis Marcellus at any given time, maybe Delphio Marcellus or Hurley Riley, which is one of my favorite drummers. He's on a lot of my CDs. So for people that you've performed with, and, and you've had some great national exposure doing what you do, I got to ask one question, though, because I'm such a fan of Stephen Colbert and John Baptiste. What was it like to sit in with them? Yeah, I can remember I was playing at the Blue Note. Yeah, the Blue Note. For like a two-week run. And John invited me to come play some Mardi Gras music with him. Just a bunch of fun, man. That man is so freaking tight. And then later that night, he came to the Blue Note and played the whole second set with me. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And in the Disney Jungle Book, you were on that soundtrack. What was your role in that? Well, it was fun um, to record the soundtrack for that. 
I think we did about three songs, at least I did. And then the hanging out with Bill Murray, making him Bloody Marys. <laughs> I'm the guy that always brings all the liquor and all the food to any record section. <laughs> I just cater food and bring an ice chest full of beer. And I just get everybody real stoned. I bring the reefer and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so they know one thing. If Kermit's on a uh, gig, we're going to have a good time. It's a party in the studio. Now we're going to switch because you mentioned food. And I think you've got a little taste of barbecuing. I think I've read somewhere that you like to barbecue. You were influenced a little bit by your grandmother when you were young. Where is your spot to go for some great New Orleans, Cajun, whatever you like? What's your best restaurant? Oh, I love Sammy's Deli. I love Mandina's and I love the joint, which is a big barbecue spot. I mean, places like that where you get some food to go, either sit in. But um, I love Sammy's. I, um, it's close to me, too. So, Kermit, we ask each one of our guests some questions about their travel and how, what they've done on their bucket list. We'd li- like to ask you a few questions. Is that OK? Sure. All right. All right. So the first thing is, is have you ever completed anything on your own bucket list? And if so, what was it? Actually, I think just about everything. Definitely putting out CDs. Uh-huh. I mean, every essay I did in high school, even before we really formed the band. Actually, when I first started the Rebirth, maybe the first year, it was all about playing music and traveling the world. So I would always would write about that for all my um, assignments when, when a teacher had us do stuff like that. So definitely, yeah. All right. So next question. So you have traveled the world. If there's any place in the world you could live for a, a year, where would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Because I don't want to see an airport again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you got you to go somewhere and stay one place for a whole year. Where would it be? It probably would be Africa, because that's somewhere I haven't seen. Okay. Haven't been. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. All right, here's a good one for someone that's traveled the world. When packing for a trip, what is something you pack that may surprise our audience? Whenever I'm traveling and I realize I'm staying in a hotel for a week or longer, yep. I bring a crock pot, red beans, frozen this, frozen that. And I'll, before the gig, I'll put some rabbit or chicken in a crock pot. And when we come back from the gig, it's just smelling up the whole freaking hotel. <laughs> you are a true son of New Orleans, that's for sure. Where can we find you on social media? What are some of your um, social media names? Oh, Ruffin's BBQ, um, Kermit's Trim A Mother-in-Law Lounge, which I put up a GoFundMe for the bar on the, um, the Mother-in-Law Lounge, which the support that I had was overwhelming. And I cannot thank those beautiful people from all over the world that helped me um, keep the lights on around here. And I had no idea that they were going to um, steal a goal. We had a goal of $50,000 and we raised about maybe $42,000 so far. Well, Kermit, we wish you the best of luck. And definitely keep playing jazz. Next time we're in New Orleans, we're, we're definitely going to go by uh, Mother-in-Law Lounge. Absolutely. And get some of that good, good barbecue. Oh, thank y'all for having me, man. God bless. God bless you. Are you ready to book your hotel for your next company event or family adventure? Let AMI help. We have ongoing relationships with all major hotel chains and access to over 200,000 hotels. Why us? We receive special promotions before they hit the open market, meaning significant cost savings to you. Go to destination-everywhere.com and click the Source Now button and let us get to work for you. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere New Orleans. Yes. 
So right now, we're going to give you our top 10 bucket list and travel suggestions for New Orleans. And we got some great ones for you. It's going to be awesome. But of course, when we think of New Orleans, we think of Mardi Gras. And there's actually a place, it's Mardi Gras World, and it's where many, many of the Mardi Gras floats are housed and constructed prior to Mardi Gras happening. And you can actually rent this out for private events and dinners and things like that. And you can go walk through the displays and see the floats and see costumes. And it really is just a neat, neat spot. So it's a huge warehouse. It's Mardi Gras World. So if you can set it up ahead of time, definitely go by and check it out, especially if you're not there during Mardi Gras season, because it'll definitely give you some good flavor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that New Orleans is known for is their festivals, and they have so many. They have a beignet fest, which features 30 beignet dishes from some of New Orleans' best restaurants. There's the voodoo, voodoo music and art experience known as Voodoo Fest, which I have not been to, but it's definitely going to be on my list now that I know about it. But probably the one that everyone knows is the Jazz and Heritage Festival that happens in May each year. It's known as Jazz Fest. It's world-renowned. Last time we were there, we saw Stevie Wonder, and it was amazing. But it really brings in the culture of New Orleans and greater Louisiana. And so we, we highly recommend that. Todd? Yeah, Stevie Wonder just popped up at a bar. Yeah, I know. How cool is that? It was amazing. So we think of New Orleans, we obviously think about food, we think about big portions, Cajun. But one thing that you got to try again is crawfish. And New Orleans is known for seafood. So a crawfish boil is a must. And some of the best places to get crawfish are Frankie and John's, Big Fisherman and Cooter Brown. So we recommend you give it a try. It's a unique experience if, you, if you've never done it and there's a certain way that you're supposed to do it. So maybe do a little research before you go to a crawfish boil. Awesome. And something I have, and Todd, um, did you ever see any of the American Horror Story series? Oh, yes. And I know which one you're going to bring up because I did see it. It was very good. Yeah, it was the one about the witches. So you can actually go see all the places that were in the series. You have Buckner Mansion in the Garden District. Mrs. Ruby Show's Academy. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Tall Omega Fraternity House in the show at Tulane University acted as the Roundtable Clubhouse. And they used that several times during the series. And then you have the LaLaurie Mansion, which was once owned by Nicolas Cage, that plays Madame LaLaurie's House of Horrors. So Definitely a fun afternoon. Go around and see where American Horror Story was. Uh, and that, that was a great series, probably one of my favorite. Yeah, that one was Coven. Yes. So you can also just take a private tour of the Garden District. Obviously, the architecture and the gardens are amazing in New Orleans. So you can find a local guide to walk you through historic streets of the Garden District. You'll learn about different styles of architecture and the famous stories about the houses and who's lived there. And the talent that comes out of New Orleans in terms of authors and writers is amazing. So if you get a chance, go definitely just take this walking tour of the Garden District. And back to food. So here's a great one is take a culinary workshop at the Bakehouse. It's run by Joy the Baker, known as on Instagram as Drake on Cake, who offers classes, workshop and events and private parties where you can learn how to make all kinds of dishes from pastries to cakes, pastas, and pretzels. You know, I love a good cooking class. So this one sounds fantastic. It's called the Culinary Workshop at the Bakehouse. Well, this one, if you're into like the secrets and the good stories, a little bit of background about properties, like, you know, I'm all about a good hidden speakeasy, but you can go ask to see the secret room at MS Rao Antique Shop. 
And inside this well-known antique shop, there's a secret door to a private room that hosts the shop's most special pieces. There's three Monets, a Van Gogh, two Norman Rockwells, and many more. So go see the secret room. Uh, that's amazing. Here's one that Todd and I were just walking down the street one weekend uh, in between events we were doing in the city. And we came across this clubhouse and there's just tons of stuff going on. So we walked in. So what is going on? And it was actually a drag queen brunch where they had some of the best drag queens from the city actually uh, performing. It's at the country club. Yeah. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the energy was great. It was gorgeous out and they have indoor and outdoor seating. I would highly recommend that you get the outdoor seating and definitely uh, reservations ahead of time. Get a reservation because you'll be waiting a while. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so much fun. And if you haven't had your fill at the drag show at the country club, <laughs> stop by the Sazerac house. The Sazerac is a cocktail and it's earned its fame in New Orleans back in the 1850s. And now you can enjoy exclusive tastings hosted by expert bartenders, unique experiences that celebrate the city drinks and customs at this distillery. So definitely check out a private tasting at the Sazerac house. Oh, how much fun. Yeah. You're definitely going to get those drinks at any of the festivals. They all have a Sazerac uh, specific drinks and, and, and they're all incredible. And finally, our good friend, Marie Carmen, who we've gone to New Orleans a couple of times, she taught me something years and years ago was you've got to make reservations ahead of time at the best restaurants. And the best restaurants are constantly changing. The chefs are moving around. But Condé Nast did a, a 2021 article on the 27 best restaurants in New Orleans. And here are the top three. So write these down and then get reservations ahead of time. Number three was the Commander's Palace. It's fine dining and they have a 25 cent martinis. I don't know how those go together, but they do. That's awesome. <laughs> and number two is Willa Jean Restaurant and Bakery. And it is hosted by uh, James Beard Award winner, Kelly Fields. So you definitely want to get reservations there. Number one was Nina Compton's Firewater American Bistro. So get those on your list for your trip and you will have a fantastic time. I promise. All right. And we are going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with our next guest, Ralph Mahana with the Windsor Court. So sit back and we will be right back. Welcome back to Destination Everywhere, this episode featuring New Orleans. And I'm excited to have our next guest. Our next guest is the general manager of the Windsor Court Hotel. He's been at the hotel over 13 years and he's held you know, from what I've, I've read, every position you could probably have in the hotel or every department anyways, office manager, director of banquets, assistant general manager, general manager, and he's a hometown native. He is from New Orleans. So welcome, Ralph, Ralph Mahana. Thank you so much. Excited to be here on the podcast and just excited to talk about New Orleans and the hotel a little bit today. Thank you for having me. Let's start with a little bit of the history of the hotel. It's obviously called the Windsor Court Hotel. Is there a relationship between the Windsor Court Hotel and the UK? Yeah, absolutely. So our original developer, James J. Coleman, was an ambassador to the British consulate and was an Anglophile and loved all things related to the royal family. We have an art collection here that he curated himself. It's worth roughly about $15 million dollars. It's unbelievable. For all of the royal feeling you get when you come to the hotel, there's also this connection to New Orleans that our staff brings and that just makes you feel like you're in this unique destination within the city that's private and special, but also so open and welcoming that our staff exudes. So I think that's important to touch on as well. 
Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, and you guys have some interesting features too. I mean, you're obviously, you're a very tall property and you have some amazing views of the city, but you also feature a rooftop pool and some excellent restaurants. And you have the grill room, the polo lounge club and the La Salon. Tell us about the venues inside the hotel and what guests can expect when they come visit. Yeah, so the Polo Lounge has always been really iconic, always done incredibly well, and it feels like home, but it also has this personality and great live music that we have there on a nightly basis. The Grill Room Restaurant is our iconic restaurant on the second floor of the hotel. And once again, you just feel like royalty when you're dining in there, and it's very special. We have some new outlets that weren't built originally with the hotel, like our spa, which is in eight treatment rooms in the spa. It's very quaint, but also... You just feel relaxed, a place of non-judgment. It's amazing. That's been a great addition for the hotel. As you talked about our rooftop pool. So we've always had a rooftop pool, but we added a rooftop poolside bar called the Waterman Poolside Bar, which has also been just a fantastic addition that we've had and just a great atmosphere out there year round, really. And then I want to, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on the fact that a staple of the hotel, one of the best experiences that there is not only in the hotel, but in New Orleans is we put afternoon tea on the map here in this city. And the salon just has just an unbelievable product offering and service and feeling for our afternoon tea offering, which is two days out of the week. We do that on, on the weekends here in New Orleans, but then also during the holidays, we do that every day, starting right after Thanksgiving. And it's just, it's a tradition, but it's also ever-changing and creative, but we stay true to our roots and, and the experience is just luxurious and beautiful and wonderful and celebratory. So Ralph, you've been there 13 years and you've kind of been through the department. So you know where all of the skeletons are, but over the years, have you discovered any really fun secrets about the hotel that the public might not know about? I think what I've discovered about the hotel is just that in its 36 year history, it's not one of, it's certainly not one of the oldest properties in New Orleans, but the amount of people and personas that have been through the hotel and that have done things here, treated this as as a second home, that's what we've been able to discover. We've been able to discover things like when Paul McCartney just walks in the polo lounge and graces everybody with by playing the piano. But those are some of the things you just discover. These stories. It's more stories. I'll find a hidden door every now and then, but it won't have any treasure behind it. It'll just. <laughs> but it's really the stories that have been that have taken place throughout the hotel and the great memories that people have here. And I think that we have some of the best repeat guests in this hotel over the course of the last thirty years that I've ever seen. And you guys offer an executive club level. Tell us a little bit about what your executive club level is and how it's important to guests who might want a more private experience. So the club level is unbelievable because the team up there really makes all the difference in the world. It's not only private, but it's almost like what I recommend the club level to people that are not newbies to the city anymore. Like you go up there and they're going to start our concierge on the club level are going to start recommending these hidden gems that people might not hear about on their first, second, or third trip to New Orleans. So, you know, the offering up there is wonderful. We sort of mimic our afternoon tea experience up there. We have a wonderful full breakfast served up there. And the service is is really excellent, private butler staff. And that the top four floors have access to that private club lounge. It was a former penthouse of the hotel. So it has its own personalities and stories that went through that penthouse altogether. And there's two large terraces and the view is breathtaking. Oh, how amazing. Yes, it's unbelievable. But what I'll say is the culinary experience, the beverage experience up there is is second to none. 
but it's really the team that is going to bring open up things around the city and open up stories and just different places that you might have never heard of. And it's just like a more expert level experience of New Orleans. What are some of the traditions you have that our listeners might be interested in? I mean, the one I would definitely touch on is definitely that that afternoon tea is an experience unto itself. But we have a lot of traditions that are focused around Mardi Gras, whether we just started a new tradition where we're, we feature a Mardi Gras Indian costume in the lobby, and it really just takes on a, a persona. Those teas, we also do a theme tea every month throughout the year. So Mardi Gras tea or LGBT or Halloween tea, those are all great traditions. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on the hotel transforms for the holidays right after Thanksgiving. And it's really unbelievable what happens in this hotel from the courtyard to the lobby. We do an annual tree lighting. That's really an excellent tradition as well. And really the whole city just gathers around the hotel and comes through the hotel. And it's a very special time for everybody. It sounds absolutely beautiful, especially during the, the holidays. I'm sure you guys just deck it out. You also talked about you have a very discerning guest with a hotel that has so many suites available. You must get some guests that insist on a certain level of service and maybe even demand some unusual requests. Is there anything that you could think of in your hotel experience of something you're just like, did they just ask me to do that? And you were actually able to make it happen or someone in your staff? Oh, absolutely. I mean, things like that happen every day and we don't say no. We really make just about anything happen. But some of the ones that stick out in my mind are we'll have somebody that wants to land a helicopter on top of the hotel. And we, well, we can't necessarily do that. All put it, although we've given some thought to putting a helipad on top of the hotel. But we've arranged unbelievable transportation for guests not to get out upon emergencies, but just to fly above the city of New Orleans and have an experience there. We've arranged for really special things during Mardi Gras, like police escorts to get through parade routes or get on parade routes. I'm writing these down right now. What else can you do? <laughs> for larger groups, you can arrange an actual parade so with floats and everything for groups and, and things like that. Really fun and special. I think at one point, we, we arranged a parade where some local chefs were actually brought food on the float while some of the were, were di- we actually had a dining experience on a float in riding through the city of New Orleans for for a small, really high-end group that we had here. So we've done a lot of things revolving around Mardi Gras that have been really hard to access. As a local, what are some of your other favorite local events? I mean, there's one, it seems like every week in New Orleans. What, what are some of your personal favorites? Well, I divide them into two. I divide them into music and I divide them into food. And then sometimes they, they always... It'd be crazy not to mention French Quarter Fest, which is more of a regional event than we get a, a lot of people within the region or within uh, Louisiana come in for French Quarter Fest. So many local artists and just really great food booths throughout the city. Sort of like it's like Jazz Fest, but more local artists and divided in multiple locations throughout the French Quarter. And that's just unbelievable. And then, you know, the, some of the newer festivals like Po' Boy Fest or Fried Chicken Fest or Seafood Fest. You can't go wrong with some of those food festivals here, but I would say my favorite is French Quarter Fest. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Ralph, thanks so much. Where can our listeners find you guys on the web and on social media? The Windsor Court Hotel is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, of course, for as a more professional based. But all of our social media is readily, readily available under the hashtag Windsor Court Hotel. 
Well, it sounds like just an amazing property and so many choices and, and such a great location, right? Right in the middle of everything. And something else that we do need to mention is Ralph and the Winter Court Hotel are giving away a three-night stay in a club-level suite. So go to uh, Destination Everywhere on Facebook to register, and we'll be seeing you in New Orleans. Thank you so much for joining us, Ralph. All right. Nolans, Nolans. Thanks, Ralph. Thank you all very much. It was great to be with you today, and I'll see you down in New Orleans. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere New Orleans. So as you can see, and we've been talking, there's so many wonderful things to see and do in New Orleans. You can make a quick weekend out of it or an extended trip, but we'd really like to thank our guests. We'd like to thank the Windsor Court. We would like to thank our team here who's helped us put the show together. We have Chris Jordan, our copywriter. We have Annie Fernandez, our creative director, and of course, Lauren Campbell, our podcast producer. So please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show on your preferred podcast app or by going to www.destination-everywhere.com. So join us next time on Destination Everywhere. Safe travels. You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit www.americanmeetings.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.